0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. All right, so in Mark chapter 12, I've got an introductory uh, an idea. It was last year, I think, sometime. <clears throat> I was at a doctor's office and uh, doing just having just some casual conversation with the other people in the waiting room. We were in the waiting room. And I I don't think there was a television with the news on, but somehow uh, President Trump's name came up in the conversation. And a middle-aged woman, about six feet from me, uh, there were only two or three, three or four of us maybe in the waiting room, and here is what she said with at least a little bit of energy. She said, now, but I don't know that these are the exact words, but this is pretty close. She said, Donald Trump is not my president. Maybe you can imagine somebody, you know, not my president. The entire election was fixed. And then I still remember, because she pointed this next part toward me, and, we were, and she said, can you believe that such an evil, crooked liar is in our White House? Whoops. Whoops. We should be good. Check it now. Okay, uh, if if not, we'll swap that out. But I, I found a loose wire. I diagnosed my own sound problem. We should probably quit while we're ahead. Here's my guess. Donald Trump is not my president. The entire election was fixed. Can you believe that such an evil, crooked liar is in our White House? And then she just looked at me like, can you believe that? Now, I want to pause right there. Does anyone feel just a little bit of tension that may be entering the room right now? Just with putting that up on the screen. There are a few people, oh, ow! Oh, I was at a conference, of some, a series of meetings early this week. Uh, I was in San Diego. By the way, there are some places that are sunny. It's sunny out there. Anyway, this morning, okay. Anyway, and we were talking as a leadership team, a vineyard leadership team, we were talking about Uh, assessing and making some changes in our leadership structure in on the national level just to see if we could be more efficient and things like that anyway part of the conversation for a leaders were we're trying to prepare for how different people react during change or moments of anxiety does that make sense that we were talking about that anyway and I they introduced a new word for when anxiety enters the room and they they I thought it was an interesting word they said if if change or anxiety comes in, people begin to internally vibrate. Was what they said. And so right now, as we start to talk about politics, how many of you know there's some of us starting to go? <laughs> right? If you leave that up on the screen very long, some people will vibrate because because of this, that. Some people will vibrate, they're 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 thinking, I may start vibrating depending on what you say next, Pastor. You know, and they're like, how did you respond? Because they have an expectation. How did you respond when the woman said that to you? Huh? 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 You want to know what I said? I am not going to tell you what I said. Are you kidding me? But I use that to bring up a question that I think probably many of us will agree on. Is there anything more, dif- more divisive right now in our world than politics. Now, now there might be something, but wow, is, does it not feel like there is a whole lot of vibration happening so much of the time? Can I get a head nod? Or, Grape Road? Hey, I didn't say hi to Grape Road. Hey, you guys. How about you? You doing okay? You vibrating yet? Because we're going to talk about politics. Is there anything more divisive right now than politics? Um, I know for us, even as a family, there are a couple extended family situations. We can ruin the whole Thanksgiving with just one comment, one political comment. And you could be sitting there eating turkey and then think, oh, no. Here we go. And I've thought about this a little bit I would love it if Christianity made it, made it perfectly clear, but I would submit to you that following Jesus doesn't make political perspectives perfectly clear. That's, that's some of you might, don't be vibrating, get all angry. but let me give you a few verses. In John 18, 36, Jesus said, my kingdom, some of you know this, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. So, just so you know, Jesus was not, is not a Republican. Some of you are like, oh, yes, he is. No, he's not, a, he's not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. Did you know that Jesus is not, ready? He's not American. Some of you are really hating this talk so far. But, because his kingdom is not, his kingdom is above and different. It's not of... This world, that's one thing. Uh, yet we are called to impact the world in Matthew 5.14. It says you're the light of the world. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're the light. And it goes on to say, let your light shine before others. So, so that sounds like being public with some of our life and convictions and such. Proverbs 31.8 says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Verse nine goes on to say, defend the rights of the poor and needy. That almost sounds like some political active stuff. It's a good way to do that. And in the midst of it, here's a challenge. We're supposed to love everyone, even our enemies. Matthew 5, says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you and I don't think that's permission or a command to pray mean prayers for people who don't, are not under our political persuasion. I don't think we're supposed to be, Oh, God, could you blow up his Twitter account? Or, or, Oh, Jesus, couldn't that person have a heart attack before the next primary? Or I don't think we're supposed to be doing that. So hold all those happy thoughts. We're in a series called Scent. I already shared this. Our community, our opportunity. And I'm going to attempt to try to be a little bit helpful. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to attempt to be helpful in the realm of political conversations. Um, just a little side note. We do have a book that's co- going along with the series at the Resource Center. It's called Life on Mission. So you may want to check that out. Talking about how we can impact our community and people around us. I want to be upfront as we begin to talk about politics. This is this is not a strength of mine, uh, but I am as a follower of Jesus trying to get better and figure out what what is it to be a committed follower of Jesus and yet participate and try to be helpful in this world we're living in, including politics. Um and when we look at our theme verse in Jeremiah twenty nine seven. It says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. If it prospers, so it feels like to me we, if we're going to have a series with that as our theme, we need to at least try to address how can we uh, have political presence that's helpful to our city. So with that said, a few months ago in my Bible time, I came across a text where it, Jesus has kind of a political conversation. Actually, some people approach him with kind of a loaded question about taxes. And so uh, when I was reading this a few months ago, I thought, oh, there's some maybe some things in there for us to learn about having political conversations. So I'm going to read from... Mark 12, beginning in verse 13. It says, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And here we go. Here's the question. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin, they brought the coin and he asked them, Whose image is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And then Jesus said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Wouldn't it be great if the next political conversation you had was amazing? I got a couple ideas from this text that might help us move forward. So would you pray for me really hard? as I talk about politics. Just kidding. Let's all pray. God, help us. Um, Help us, Father. I think we're living in a world where a lot of political conversations are just not going well at all. And maybe, no, I believe, God, that you might lay a foundation that we could actually be truly helpful maybe have a greater impact and definitely represent you well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Two ideas I see from the text, how Jesus approached this conversation. The first one is this. When navigating politics, beware of impure motives. Beware of impure motives. That's fill in the blank. And you may have noticed, after they asked the question about taxes, Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Jesus says, why are you trying to trap me? And it's pretty easy to see that the people approaching Jesus really weren't asking an authentic question. They had an underlying plan trying to get Jesus to go somewhere. They're trying to trap him. In fact, at the very beginning of the text in verse 13, it says... They sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus, and it just says, the topic sentence, they sent some people there to catch him. So I was looking at that word in the original language, which would have been Greek, to, to catch him, and it's this word, it'll come on the screen, o, but it means to catch. So this was their motive behind, trying to catch, to capture, It's also connected to like hunting something down and it included in the notes fishing. And so I had this idea that came to mind as as I was thinking about the motives of these people. They weren't actually, um, they weren't actually wanting a conversation. They were just trying to fish him and, you know, I took, watch your lips there. The, uh. They were just, does that make any sense? They were just trying to dangle a carrot out in front of Jesus to get him to bite on something, not with a pure motive, to bite on something, but their, their motives were bad. So they were like just trying to, well, what can we, what can we toss out there to, to get him to, and then to try to pull him in a direction that would be not helpful to him. Does that make any sense? So, and I think that this happens right? People talk, they just lob little things out there and they say, hey, what do you think? Did you hear the news about Mayor Pete? And they they go, did you want to talk about that? Put your bite on that hook. But they're not. Does that make sense? Yesterday I tried to cast this down the aisle. You want me to try it? Huh? All I need is one person say yes, I'll do it. Let's try this. By the way, I took the hook out. <laughs> oh, yes, I almost got a... I almost got your coffee there, didn't I? <laughs> but they... I see you can't see this over here, but you know, it's like dragging in between the aisles. And what people do is they're just fishing for... They say, well, what do you think about Mayor Pete? Or... Or... Uh, um, did you see the, the latest tweet from whatever. And they go, what do, you, what do you think? And they're just waiting to try to think of some other things. What, what do they bring up? But there are these, they just baiting us into a conversation and their motives are not to have a dialogue or their, their motives are just not all that pure. Does that make sense? See, so, so here's the idea with that. I think there's a fill in the blank now. You can write this in. Be cautious as you enter, enter into a conversation. Because some people will bring up the latest news on a police shooting just to g- start an argument. So be cautious as you enter into a conversation. And I don't know that sometimes people sometimes people may not not have a thoughtful impure motive, but I do know that the enemy of your soul, the Bible calls him Satan, he is scheming consistently to try to bring division and divide among people. There's a verse in Second Corinthians two. It says, talks about in order that Satan might not outwit us and it says we are not unaware of his schemes. So don't be unaware that there are some conversations that are really not conversations, they're just out there trying to mess stuff up. Now just a note in this, as we talk about other people's impure motives, I find it helpful to also assess my own motives. What about me, when do I do that? Or do I do that? Am I doing the same thing that I wouldn't want somebody else to do? So here's a question just for assessment. It's not a fill in the blank, but am I open to dialogue or only deployment? Am I only, am I only really just trying to trap people or get them to my side? Or, does that make sense? And just a warning or something that I think that can help us. Don't forget that the people that we're talking to are people. They're human beings. They are not just a tool or a, or a, or a, person to get to a certain side. And uh, I was gonna. Ha- I was. I'm gonna go ahead and go there for just a couple of minutes. Jesus was really. What, irritate, irritated. There's a couple people groups in the Bible: the Pharisees and Pharisees and the Sadducees. Maybe you've heard of them. And these people got all wrapped up in their legalism and it, it, some of it was maybe political perspective but religious perspective that they lost sight of the value of people and they were driven by laws and things and they would miss sight of people. Let me give you a couple of, a couple of examples. By the way, Jesus was really critical. He was the most critical of that group of people. <clears throat> in John 8, And if you want to do a little bit of study, you could write down John 8. Just write that down. John 8, it's the story of a woman who's caught in adultery. And the Pharisees and Sadducees come and they bring her. Maybe you know the story. And basically, she was caught in adultery. And they kind of like drag her. And they throw her in front of Jesus. And they accuse her. And they're still, they're trying to trap Jesus. And they're like, what should we do with her? The the law says we should kill her. And in in the midst of that, I think they lose sight. That's like a person but they were just using a person as a tool for their agenda. And Jesus was really critical of that. Another story you may want to check out is in Luke chapter 6. If you want to write down Luke chapter 6, there's a man there who has a crippled hand. And I don't remember whether it would been crippled his whole life or maybe something happened. But uh, it was on a Sunday, which is, well, it would have been a Saturday in, in that time. It was on a Sabbath. And this guy, Jesus is there, and he decides to heal the man. Remember, which would have been, how, how cool would that be? If you were at church sometime and somebody with an evidently crippled hand, which, by the way, would mess up your whole life, especially back in that day. And so Jesus says, extend your hand. He heals this guy on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees were so caught up in the legalism of, yeah, but it's on the Sabbath and you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath and you shouldn't be doing that on the Sabbath. It says in the text, Luke 6:10, Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and the hand was completely restored. How cool is that? But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious. They're all cranky. They're mad. And they missed This miraculous, wonderful thing for this individual because they're all caught up in their own perspective. What they are convinced, all right? So let's just try to remember that people are people and prioritize that, at least weight that up against our political perspective. Got it? I've got a couple ideas that might help us to finish this point. The first one is, when you're in a political conversation, uh, exhibit curiosity. And what I mean there, after you write curiosity, could you write out to the side, I wish I would have added this, authentic curiosity. When I was in these meetings, it would have been Tuesday morning, I just missed a conversation I sure wish I would have been part of. got two friends in the Vineyard Church. Both of them are uh, national leaders, uh, I'm sorry, in the, in the National Vineyard Organization. Both of, both of them pastor churches. Both of them uh, are, uh, I have a lot of respect for both of them. B- uh, both of them think biblically. They're committed to the scripture. They're committed. One of them is probably 80% left and the other one is 80% right, and they were both having breakfast together. And I came to breakfast too late. I just, when I sat down, I thought, dog, I bet I missed a good conversation. But if I had been there earlier, what I wanted to do, especially with the person that I would have not connected to as easily, our political perspectives would have been different. You know what I so wanted to do? I wanted to say, Gino, can you tell me the background, and what is your thought process, why is it that your heart is, I would have just wanted to say, can you talk about that so I can know? Because I, because for some of it, I don't get it, but I'm thinking if I had a a respectful conversation with someone, I could learn a little bit more about why they're thinking that way. Does that, does that make sense? And I know him enough to know he's not thinking that way because he's, hates people and hates God, right? It it just would have been good to say, "Could, could you share a little bit more about that? Not so that I can pounce on whatever he might say that bugs me. I just think the world would be a little bit better if some of us would actually say, can you just talk about that for a little bit so I can know what's in your heart? Oh, i got a little note here. Especially if you're a follower of Jesus, would you please? I've got a request. Will you please attach your political perspective to some kind of a biblical foundation? And not just, well, my family's a Democrat. We've always been a Democrat. Oh, well, hootie-doo-dee-doo. Now we're followers of Jesus. Does that make sense? Or do I no, so I made you mad cuz I said that. Does that make sense? I uh, see I got to go on a little tangent here. Listen, when we give our lives to Jesus, there is transformation in many of our thought processes. We 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 are not who we were when we need to refresh our ideas about why we think what we do, okay? So, how about some biblical foundation for our passion our thoughts. I think that will help us. Okay, so exhibit curiosity. Second thing, admit complexity. I should be able to hit this pretty quick. Admit complexity. I am, some of you may know this, um, I'm committed uh, to uh, pro-life. I'm trying, I'm committed to the unborn. I've made that decision, done some thought through that. Um, I hope, you know, some of you might be vibrating now, like, we can talk about that but it helps if i'm in a conversation with someone who is pro choice to at least admit it's a little bit complex when someone brings up well what if it what about in the case of rape that is you got to admit that's hard at least admit the complexity of the situation and not just dismiss that that would be that's a, that's hard So in the midst of those conversations, can we just admit a lot of the political things going on? It's pretty complex. Just think about taxes. So it's it's just so easy. Well, if I were in government, I know exactly what I would do. You do. We do with $1.7 trillion coming in tax. You're going to run a budget of $1.7 trillion that come, I think, from personal taxes every... Listen, folks, we're struggled right, just to pay our rent on time and... So it's not that we don't, can't have opinions, but I really think we should at least acknowledge, wow, that would be kind of complicated to make decisions based on. So I'm not saying don't have an opinion, but just admit that some of this stuff is complicated. By the way, I think that's why we're supposed to pray for our leaders. We're supposed to pray for our leaders because a bunch of them have decisions that have, so, that have so many lives attached to it and are so complicated. That's why, part of why I think God says, you got to pray for them because the decisions that they make are a really big deal and not all that simple. <laughs> Exhibit curiosity. Admit complexity. Stay courageous. Please don't read any of this like I'm saying we all need to not say anything. Stay courageous. Figure out how we can share our opinions and and, uh, be active. So the first idea was when navigating politics, be aware of motives. And the second one is when navigating politics, engage in the basics. Engage in the basics. Even though Jesus' kingdom was not of this earth, from the text in verse 17, he does acknowledge, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. And my interpretation of that is pay your taxes. By the way, another uh, assignment in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus has another interaction about a temple tax. It'll come up on the screen. The collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher, doesn't Jesus pay the temple tax? And you can read it. It's really kind of an interesting story. Because Jesus tells kind of a parable and basically explains to Peter, Peter, how hey, you know, Peter, I sh- I don't have to pay the temple tax. I own the temple. Jesus was the Son of God. He created everything. I don't have to rent the temple, Peter. You're right, because he so he kind of makes this story. But at the end of the story, although he says we would we don't I wouldn't have to pay that. But at the end of the story, you know what he does? He says, but Peter, yeah, he miraculously gives Peter for drachma coin and he says go pay the tax you can write this in even though jesus was above it all he still paid the tax i just think for us to model so for me there's just a simple uh encouragement here to us i'm sorry i'm going too fast i'll pause for a moment even though jesus was above it all he still paid the tax So there's just a real simple application for me, and I'd like to encourage you, just challenge. So when it comes to politics this year, this, this week, uh, it's an election year, the encouragement to us as followers of Jesus is do your part. How about that? How about we pray? How about in some ways we may get involved? Uh, vote? How about that? Hey, one thing, don't just sit around and whine about what's going on because that's not going to help anything. Let's, so, last fill in the blank. When it comes to our community, do your part. Do your part. And for our closing today, We introduced the idea last week. During every one of our services during this series, we're going to do some special prayer for either a population or a situation in our community. And so I'm honored today, Aaron Perry is here with us. Aaron, if you want to make your way up. Um, Aaron's the executive director of South Bend Venues, Parks, and Arts. He's been part of our church for, I think, five years now. Um, and because I believe because of who Aaron is and who he interacts with a lot in our local government, I'm really glad to have him pray for our local government leaders because I think he knows a lot of the stuff that they go through. Does that make sense? And so would you stand and I'm going to invite Aaron to pray for our local government and community leaders. Let's pray.
1: Heavenly Father, Thank you for the honor it is to serve our communities throughout this region uh, and for trusting us to do your will in our natural built environment. I wanna pray uh, first for the folks that are on the front lines of this work, Um, the folks that are sometimes forgotten, uh, but how critical their work is to our everyday lives, the people that work on our uh, stormwater and sewer systems. Uh, So we don't have to think about that type of thing. Uh, the people that pick up our trash and ensure that we have uh, clean, safe drinking water, people who mow our parks and plow our streets and fill our potholes, uh, their work can sometimes seem routine and or mundane. But that critical infrastructure work uh, ensures that all of us could live our daily lives. I want to pray for another set of folks that are also on the front lines: our public safety officials. Our police professionals and firefighters uh, who are out there literally working in life or death situations, pray that you would keep them safe. I pray that you would help their work to be just and dignified. Father, I want to pray also for the uh, elected leaders in our communities, those folks that are... Uh, Often tasked with sometimes impossible decisions, really complex situations, uh, trying to decide different policies and legislative uh, uh, procedures to put into place, uh, financial decisions, um, oftentimes weighing um, the lesser of two evils. (laughs) Um, I pray that you would give them the wisdom to sort through those things uh, as they're faced with them on on a day-to-day basis. Father, in all of these things, for all of these people, I pray that the work would be done in a way that would be pleasing to you, and then I pray for healing for the times that those things don't go right in our communities. I lift all of this up to you in your son's name.
0: Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message
1: Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message.